sisters, come together now, come together now. It's time to help each other out, help each other out. Welcome to the Soar Podcast. This is a platform for sisters to gather and have some empowering conversations. And in the process of these conversations, we help each other overcome some limiting beliefs. I want you to join the conversation. I appreciate your likes, subscribes, and comments. This podcast is sponsored by Stephanie Brown Coaching. If you have any limiting beliefs that are holding you back, feel free to contact the coach at sociatap.com forward slash Steph Brown MD. Okay, I'm going to share a little coaching secret with you. One of the ways that we can overcome our limiting beliefs is by revising our thoughts. With the source saying, we get to choose a new thought that expands us and helps us to rise. I don't know about you, but I can use all of the affirmation that I can get. With so much negativity in the world, I bet you can too. The source saying is, my voice is my power. I'm learning to listen to her and amplify her message. Again, the source saying is, my voice is my power. I'm learning to listen to her and amplify her message. And our topic, community is key. How the third is creating space for women of color entrepreneurs. And my special guest is Laura Bacon. Laura Bacon is the founder and CEO of The Third, a nonprofit that supports women of color entrepreneurs through education, access, and community. She creates spaces where people can show up as the best version of themselves. Her life and her work center around community building and community development. For 14 years, she channeled that through her work in education. She's also worked as company manager in theaters, an artist manager at an opera, a mentor teacher, and most recently, she settled into her passion, entrepreneurship and community building. The community development shines through Maud LLC, her consulting firm that is focused on creating workforce development programs that serve the community. Her talent is in putting all the right people in a space to make something special. After this next song, the next voices you'll hear are me and Laura talking about our topic. Welcome to SOAR, Laura. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. It is so good to connect with you, and I cannot wait to get into our conversation about community is key and how the third is creating space for women of color entrepreneurs. But first, I always like to have people just kind of tell us your story. Tell us, you know, how you got to be where you are now and introduce yourself. I would love to. I, I'm a Columbia baby. I always start with that. I'm born and bred in Columbia, Maryland, which is unique, I think. They're not, they're not a whole lot of us. Um, and what's interesting is the area that I'm living in now in Columbia, a lot of alumni have come back. So a lot of all of our kids who the people who went to the school now our kids go to the same school so there's a there's a large community feeling so that's one of the reasons i think that community is such a big deal to me is because i was born and raised in this area where it's very very important um i went away to new york city for a while i went to school there had my first daughter in brooklyn um and then came back i was a teacher in howard county public schools for 14 years and it was the love of my life. I love teaching. I love connecting with young people. I love advocating for kids. Um, and I love giving voice 
doing that sort of translating, like, okay, kids say it like this. This is what he means. Let me help you out. Um, and I really enjoyed it, especially the last three years I was working with alternative education for the county, and it was um, the best job. Mm. But I knew that I... My, I needed to also use my skills other places. And I also knew I was at a time in my life where I needed a little more autonomy over my person and my family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your service in the school system. Uh, our children are our greatest resource, our greatest asset. So anybody who's pouring into our children should just be thanked and honored and given all of the best. I appreciate it. I feel like the kids thank us, though, too. I mean, I got a text message this weekend from a former student who just wanted to tell me how great she was doing. I'm like, Whoa. yes, oh. you know, so they give back in their little kid ways, cutie pies. Yes, that is beautiful. Okay, so you were saying that the last three years in education were some of your funnest years, but mm -hmm. then you decided you wanted more autonomy for yourself and your family, mm -hmm. uh, and you made the transition. So I guess you'll tell us a little bit more about the transition as we continue to talk, right? Sure, yeah, I kind of saw it coming. coming I'm sh listen, the transition's coming. It's coming up at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm in that same space of transition. So I, I understand your life's work has been around community building and community development. So I would just love to know how you define community and why you believe it's so important. Community to me means a couple of things, or I guess community can be based on a couple of things. It can be based on like physical location to me, like the people in my neighborhood, like we're a community. And I, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I don't even ask your permission. Like we're in a community. I'm on board. Let's go. We live next to each other. Now we're friends. Now we support each other. That's how it works. So I think physical, but I also think it can be interest-based. It can be racially based. It can be heritage based. It can be culturally based. And I'm really interested in the specificity of communities because I think that who you don't invite to the party almost is as important as who you're inviting to the party. But a community doesn't work in a silo either. So I don't see like these sort of community pods around. Communities to me are these vibrant sort of energy sources. And when you have one, it radiates out. Mm -hmm. these energy rings of whatever it is that they're trying to push forward. So I feel like they're all somehow connected, even if they are little separate communities into themselves. But I think that it's the only way we move forward. Mm -hmm. I don't know how anybody does anything alone. I would love to have a community at my back when I'm doing things. Absolutely. Um, and just another, I think to looking back at the whole being a little bit more important than just the one person is an important part of community for me and what I would love for us to get back to a little bit more. Yes, absolutely. And I love the description that you gave, the, the energy centers that are radiating and um, touching the other communities with their energy centers. That's a, that's a beautiful picture. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned getting back. And definitely I feel that there is a need to get back because when I think about people of color and African-Americans specifically, we have always valued community. That's true. Part of our story. And I would even go so far to say that community and our has, has been an integral part of our survival from slavery to Jim Crow to desegregation. And that's what has helped us to survive. 
But right now, it feels like people are a lot more individualistic. And what do you think happened? How did we get to this place where community is not at the center? I'm only going to speak on the people that I can speak on. Uh, So I don't know about all the people, but I will say that my people, black people, Mm -hmm. I feel like we are deeply rooted in our community um, as much as we always have been. I feel every day I talk with women of color, predominantly black women in the area, and every single one of them is committed to it's not even a feeling of giving back. It's just this, it's part of their business model is to impact the community, is to participate in the community. It's not this sort of uh, patriarchal sort of, I'm going to hand this over to you and give this to you. It's just part of the flow. And one of the beautiful things about building the third I have found is that you don't, people always say like, oh, what can I educate these women or we're going to give them skills no 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 no. they have all the skills it's just shifting the mindset a little bit mm-hmm. so for the third when we bring women together we want you to have a great time we want you to meet people we want you to make meaningful connections we want you to enjoy yourself we want you to have an experience that's new and amazing and we want you to sprinkle business on top that's all our community is so strong and so fierce we already share we already connect we already support we already do these things ingrained into our culture. All we need to do is sprinkle a little business on top and mm-hmm. we're an unstoppable economic force right there. I, I definitely agree with that. One of the things I've noticed though, when I've lived in other places, I feel in Colombia, I do feel that community is thriving and present. I used to live in Mount Airy and mm-hmm. I in and there and, and I created a sense of community by starting an organization but outside of that even with black people and black women we were kind of scattered and disconnected and didn't have that sense of of community and so it may be partly geographical where a lot of people are individualistic because we just have to be because we've kind of migrated from where we used to live where everybody knew everybody and you stayed in certain communities or in the south and people have migrated to other areas where they don't have other people who are necessarily excited about community so i would agree i would agree i think it's hard to you know social media and technology kind of unites us all in very interesting ways or puts us in touch with communities in very interesting ways but if you feel that and then you walk outside your door and you don't feel the community then perhaps it's hard to sort of put those together so it's 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 interesting because my you know obviously i i completely hear what you're saying and i can see that 100 percent. i see it in some of the women that i talk to that are out in the outskirts feeling very alone But I I hope that these movements, these things that I'm seeing from these Black women about we're all trying to bring people together, I hope that they don't feel alone for long. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, One of my favorite African proverbs is, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. So one of the things I notice is that sometimes people try to go alone because they want to go fast. What do you think are some of the ways that we can explain the benefits of going together, even though it might take a little bit longer? I think going together with clear expectations and boundaries 
sounds like it's going to be the same speed as anything else. In my opinion, I think going alone, this is the visual I get of going alone, like tripping, falling, <laughs> scuffing your knee, looking up, not seeing anybody, your little bottom lip quivering a little bit. You got to stick it back in and kind of move forward and keep going, going together. Sounds like I've got my sister friends around me and we're doing that good work and we're moving forward while also holding each other's arms. We don't fall or if something happens, playing that fire song, that's going to make you not think about the thing that happened, whatever it is, yeah. if you, a, a tribe makes things for me happier, easier, more fun and more productive. So it's a win, 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 win. Absolutely. Well, that was a great advertisement and commercial for <laughs> going together and not trying to go alone. So I think you convinced everybody who might have been thinking about that. <laughs> it's lonely out there. Don't do it, man. Thanks. It is. As the founder and the CEO of The Third, which is a nonprofit that supports women of color entrepreneurs through education, access, and community. Tell us a little bit about how the third started and of course i want you to start with explaining the name because i've been curious sure. as i saw it sure of course well so the third started originally with a different name so the name came a little bit later um, we started with uh the name the well the idea was sort of a place that women gather mm-hmm. i started it because as I was transitioning out of education, I was looking for entrepreneurial pursuits to get into. And even being a baby of this area, I was, I'm hitting barriers and things. I'm like, what? No. And the way that I'm set up, when I see inequity, I have to address it. So I'm like, all right, well, then I'll just form a business to address this because this is nonsense. So that's where the third was born. The original idea was to have it be a woman of color focused, um, co-working space where women can come in like kind of key in and very sort of closed off and private and the beauty of something like a pandemic Mm -hmm. especially when I know that like my basic needs are taken care of you know shout out to everybody who's doing the pandemic where basic needs are not being taken care of but I know that I'm in a position where they are which gives me a little bit more freedom to persevere to move through things and when the shutdown happened we just kind of pulled in went mission focused and gave women community which was what they were asking for um so that was huge really blew us up and then as we were about to start looking at access and the space and what that would look like what it looks like to give access to women now and what the space would look like now is when the name change came so um it was mandatory and that's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm hard headed. So I'm sure it had to be mandatory. I wasn't going to do it. Um, and I really went back to the original principles. Uh, my first little one pager that I made about the third had the third in it. Um, the third comes from a social anthropologist named Ray Oldenburg. And he believes that humans from the beginning of time, and need three places to feel happy, complete, and whole. One is home, one is work, and then there's this third place where you gather with like-minded people, but that just as modern times come through, those spaces start to dissipate, even Mm pre-COVID. But that we as humans have a biological need to gather with like-minded humans, and so we're the third place. Oh, I love that. 
Uh, and that is so true. It, I think we seek that out when we don't have it. Thank you for creating that. So mm-hmm. you said that in the beginning you started, you started to gather and when the pandemic hit down, you went mission focused. Can you just be more specific about what you did in terms of creating that community? I sure can. Yeah, no. And it was, it was super intentional. We had, I'm a, I'm a relationship person. I believe relationships feed me, but they also, for lack of a better word, function like energy currency, you know, like I enjoy meeting people and not for a specific reason, but just to meet them because you never know what the reason may be to the point. I met these young men who um, ran a design thinking firm in the area called greatest possible good. And very early in the third's journey, and they were very excited about our mission and gave us pro bono design thinking work for six months, um, part of which was a three-month market research, like crazy, intricate prototyping, all these wonderful things. And we were getting all of that information back right as the world was closing down. So we really just sifted through it. And the commonality, the one word that every single woman used was community. And so I thought to myself, you know, I'm, I was still teaching at the time. What can I do for my bedroom and my computer to help with community? And I say these things, I and mean, please know other people out there that are trying to start things. I say it like it's regular now, but I definitely was scared. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. I was very scared to start these things. So, but what we started where they were called well meetups, they were free and they were uh, one hour webinars for women in the community by women in the community. So we started off with some like business development me sort of things. And I just started asking friends, Hey, I know you love uh, making spreadsheets for operations. Can you share that? Oh yeah. Great. And we just encouraged women to, it was right as Zoom was starting, like people were just starting those things. And we just encouraged women to come as they are. Come in your bonnet, come with your full face, come with your blanket, don't put your your camera on, whatever feels comfortable so that you can be a part of this community. And then it became this sort of beautiful ecosystem where women who were attending would go, oh my gosh, that woman was so dope. Oh my God, she shared this. Okay, what can you share? Mm-hmm. And then that woman shares something and then she gets that feeling and passes it on. And so we just had this beautiful sort of cycle of sharing and receiving um, that lasted all throughout the summer. We did a little over 30 from March to September and served over 300 women and over 50 businesses. Wow, that is amazing. And it sounds like you fulfilled the need right at the time because I felt that void too, that void in community during the mm-hmm. pandemic. And um, which is why I started the podcast. This, I started <laughs> a radio show a podcast right at the pandemic because there was that need to to gather and have that sense of community and to share and lift our voices and to feel like we were um, sharing with each other and, and making a difference. So. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, agreed. I think I think that was sort of internationally felt. All of a sudden we were just home. How do we connect with these other people? How do we feed these parts of ourselves? So we were happy to be able to step in there. Mm-hmm. 
One of the things that I try to do as a coach is to help people show up as the best version of themselves. So I was really excited when I read that that's what you do with the third. So how do you create spaces that help people show up as the best version of themselves? I learned it in teaching, honestly. There is, let me tell you something, teachers are superheroes, man. The things that they are able to do in a classroom should be awarded every day. You all don't, I mean, just think about like the normal person doesn't even want to hang around with like one teenager. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We put 30 some in a classroom and they're like, and, and then, especially when I was teaching Italian, kids were, that's a vulnerable place because they're out of their comfort zone. And I don't know if you've ever met a teenager in a vulnerable place. That's not when they necessarily shine. But I learned how to do that teaching. I've had so many influential kids in my life who've made me a better teacher and a better person by challenging me, by, you know, shaking my equilibrium a little bit, or just by encouraging me. I mean, there have been so many, many things, but I learned all of that teaching. Because you can't teach kids unless you have a space where where every kid, somehow you have to have the magic of reaching 32 kids at once. Mm. So I got really good at it. (laughs) Um, And it takes, it's a lot of like listening to everybody, accounting for everybody who's in that space, but also setting really clear expectations and boundaries for myself as the leader of that space. This is how we're going to show up. This is how we're going. These are the bare minimum things that we're going to do. And I can see that transferring over into my daily interactions with um, the third. And then as we move into the physical space, I can see it manifest in a more practical way as well. But the expectations and the boundaries are there so that everyone can enjoy themselves and everyone can participate. I'm actually really excited for this community to have another black owned business where everybody gets to experience a business mm-hmm. from the black perspective. Mm-hmm. That is exciting. I'm excited about that. Also. <laughs> <laughs> now you, I know you also have a consulting business and mm-hmm. is it pronounced Maud? It is. That's my great grandma's name. Oh, okay. That's beautiful tribute. And in that business, you work with workforce development And I'm not that familiar with workforce development. So I would love for you to explain a little bit more about what that term means and what you do in your business. Sure. So I will say to all the other entrepreneurs out there, aspiring entrepreneurs, my consulting firm, my LLC is called, is like the catch-all, right? It's the catch-all for all of the great things that I do or that I know how to do Mm -hmm. that a nonprofit does not allow me to get paid for. And that's okay. I love the nonprofit. And I think it actually is going so well because it is a nonprofit, but I, I also have this consulting firm and it started off with like community building. How do I monetize community building these skills that I've learned teaching? And so I've gotten a couple of things off of that. I worked with HCEDA to create a curriculum for young women. So we're running a young women's entrepreneurship group right now, kind of bringing them into the business community and then workforce development. I'm actually working with, excuse me, my partner, Mike, my like my life partner, he's an electrical engineer and we are trying to make sure that that level one fiber splicing sort of, <laughs> this is such a weird thing to talk about in this interview, <laughs> but, but 
it's a it's a a skill that not a lot of people have but there is a ginormous need for and the those fiber optics are in literally everything in our infrastructure so it's just a huge opportunity so then what i'm doing with mod is bridging that gap between hey we're a company we need workforce i'm looking at okay i just came from teaching so i know where kids are what kids are moving through what it looks like perhaps when you don't have a focus and we're developing a workforce development program that will get we're going to start with a cohort of six this summer. Six recent graduates in Howard County are going to be able to start in this program on a Monday, take an exam on a Friday, and have a job that pays $25 an hour by the end of the day Friday. Wow. All for free. All for free. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, what I really love is how you honed in on what the need is where you have resources, you know, your, your access to students, your teaching expertise, and put those two together. Listen, one of my girlfriends calls it the zone of genius. And I swear, you know, it just feels yeah. great when you, when you can take the things that you're good at naturally and the things that you love and put them in the service of others and perhaps even in the service of you and like your own life. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything better than that. No, I, I agree. There's nothing better than that. And I think I was doing that in the school system, to be clear. Um, but, and this is no shade on the school system. It is a system. Right. So the amount of freedom that an individual has within that system to make changes or to advocate or whatever is limited because it's a system. That is how it works. So I feel great about having learned all these skills, learned all the needs, and now... <laughs> I mean, I don't have a system. <laughs> no one's telling me anything. So, um, so I can really just work off of what is going to be best for these students, what is going to be best for our community, um, and how do we work as a community to, to get it better? Yeah, yeah, the, the best the best of all coming together. Um, uh -huh. That's the zone of genius. It's interesting because last week I was talking to someone about imposter syndrome and uh -huh. the question of am I an expert? And how for some people, it's really difficult for them to figure out what their expertise is. And you clearly articulated just now what your talent is. And you also stated it as your being able to put the right people in a space to make something special. Did you always know that this was your special talent or how did you how did you identify it? I, I don't think I always knew. I don't think I grew up or was in a workforce that said, hey, identify your individual talents. <laughs> you know, it just, it was just a little, it's a little different. Like, yes, obviously they want you to do a good job, but it's less about like these individual skills. Mm -hmm. And there's certainly no focus on monetizing those skills um, in any way, shape or form. So I was really... It sounds really cheesy, but I'm kind of a cheesy gal. I sat and made a list. I'm like, what are skills that I can get paid for? What are skills that I have that I can get paid for? And I'm going to, you know, love up on my teachers again. I'm telling everyone out there, if you are looking to hire someone in your workforce and a teacher is applying, hire the teacher. Because the amount of skills that we have are they're endless and they're transferable. So when I look at being able to put the right people into place, I can, I can tell you exactly how to 
that started with maybe being able to do some classroom management and then it developed into how do I facilitate um, professional development and pull all that together. And then it came into how do I lead a department? And then it came into, so, so it was like a, a progression of building this skill as I was asked to do new challenges professionally. And I was really fortunate in my career that people saw me and my good work and would reach out with opportunities. Um, so I was often sort of moving in between different um, different tasks, which allowed me to really hone these skills to the point now where a girlfriend calls me P. Diddy. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I'm the best rapper on my own, but dang, I can put some people in the space to make something fire. So yeah. that's, that's what I do. And I really love it. I One voice does not interest me, but 10 voices does. Mm -hmm. did you have a mentor or mentors that really helped you and helped give you the confidence to kind of step into your zone of genius well my mother is my forever mentor she's everything and amazing and a force and made me into the woman that I am today I mean I'm not I am not me without her um, so she's, and she's around, she's five minutes from my house. And I know that she's hype for this because it goes against how she, she was raised. Like I should be in a job, stay there till whenever, retire, get the thing. And I get that that for her means safety because that was her world. But I can tell that she's like interested in an advocate for this because she's so excited. She's like, "Oh, did you did you leave your job? <laughs> you know, did you you did it? I'm so proud of you." I'm like, "Who is this woman?" But I can tell that she can feel that I'm operating in my zone of genius, and that too. Like, I'm constantly on the lookout for like who has skills that I don't. Mm-hmm. And they may not even be skills that I'm looking to add. Like I'm, this is my 40th year on this earth. I'll be turning 40 at the end of this, at the end of this year. And I think to myself, I'm at a place where I may not want to add all that many new skills perhaps, but I would like to be supported or be around people who have those. I also have really great examples in my life of people doing good work and staying in their lane and how that works together collectively as a group i used to work in theaters um before i was a teacher and i worked backstage with production teams talent all of these things trying to kind of manage and pull them all together so i know i know like the special sauce it takes for everyone to feel comfortable coming together um to do some sort of good work yeah now on this show I always talk about limiting beliefs and you alluded to some of that earlier was saying that you know I can say it easily now but I was scared. Uh-huh. What were some of the limiting beliefs that came up for you as you were considering leaving your career as a teacher and stepping into something new and creating the third? Yeah, I mean all of them. <laughs> I don't know. I've got, I've got three kids. I'm simultaneously wanting to be the best example for them while also providing them with the best life. I want to provide for my children as well. So that was a struggle. It's hard to go off the beaten path. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a reason why (laughs) it's a beaten path because everybody's on it. Um, So it's hard. And what's hard even about that is people who love you and people who are well-meaning, even subconsciously are going, oh, don't leave the beaten path. Come and stay with us. 
Yes. And that feels, you know, that hits in an odd place as well. I would say that the largest limiting belief that I've had to chuck over my shoulder, and again, that is not easy. That's the simplified version of what's been happening. Uh, my limiting belief was that I needed to make other people feel happy or that to be liked to get things done. Ooh, that's a big one. Yes. Listen, yes. listen. And those of you who have grown up black in the suburbs, I believe, might be able to uh, feel quite a, uh, but I, I mean, we really sat with it. I think, you know, probably sixth grade was where I really learned to like perform, mm-hmm. where I knew if I knew what the goal was, I knew what I had to do to get there and didn't always match up with what I wanted to do or how I felt, but I knew what I had to do. And I'm not mad at that me because she got me where I needed to be now. But today, in our year of the Lord, 2021, that does not serve me or the work that I'm doing. The work that I'm doing needs a bold version, needs the bold version of me, needs the unapologetic version of me, needs the empathetic and caring version of me, but the one that says it with a very clear tone and straight at your face. Um, So that has been the most, the the hardest limiting belief to get past. Um, I want to be liked. You know, that's real. I want to be liked, but I've realized I want to do this work more than I want to be liked. It feels more important. So off goes that. You just (laughs) heard. I I think you just, you just. (laughs) I'm preaching to myself. Y'all too. Don't don't get it twisted. (laughs) Absolutely. But I think that that is something that, you know, like you said, a lot of us struggle with that one and getting to the place where you realize that, the or for me it was realizing i feel like i'm put on this earth for a purpose and i do not want to leave without having fulfilled that purpose and let the fear of being liked or the fear of taking the other path keep me from really fulfilling that purpose and touching the souls i'm supposed to touch and so i have to when when those limiting beliefs come up i have to go back to that and realize that you know this is greater than than what those those fears and limiting beliefs are a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And also what is, what is life if not pushing through challenges or fears and growing? What, what are you doing? What you doing if you're not doing that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, Netflix and chill, you know, that, that's not, right, but not every day, all day. What are you doing? Right. You know, right. You do some, some of that inner work. And I really think that that inner work is, is almost more important than the outer work because you've got to get it you've got to get it in alignment inside. Otherwise it's hard. It's hard to move forward right? Like it's hard to run if your joints don't click, (laughs) you got to make sure your joints are clicking before you can run. So I'm in that process right now. I'm in that process right now. And it's ever changing because the challenges are ever changing. Obviously it is, it's a continual process, but it is, um, it moves you forward, but it, you know, there's always something new to do once you've done that thing. It is true. But I do believe that black women are uniquely designed to be ready for this work. Yeah. That doesn't mean don't pay us. That doesn't mean take advantage doesn't mean any, any of that. But I can't think of a, a group that I know that, it, you know, like the pandemic and I, and I get it. It's a pandemic. It's horrible. But every black lady I knew was like, hold my beer. What? What's next? 
Ooh, I could just hear my grandmother. My grandmother passed the year before, but I could just hear her be like, oh, child, I ain't got any time for a pandemic. Hold up, hold up. Let me get this. Let me put this chicken on and then we talk about it. Hold on. You know what I mean? It's just exactly a different way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I definitely agree. I am so passionate about sisterhood and women's empowerment and women supporting other women. And so the concept of the third is just right up that alley. And I think that because black women are uniquely designed to do this work, it makes it that much more necessary for us to have the community to support us. Because the other thing that happens is that it's like this innate drive that we have to do the work. But sometimes we do the work to the point that it wears us down and we wow. you know, we suffer the consequences through our health, through our mental health, emotionally, all of these different ways. And I think that having that community, um, I was talking to someone who, who she's a professor, a law professor, and she was talking about all the work that she does and how it's difficult for her to put it down because she's afraid, you know, that nobody else will pick it up. And I'm like, you have to be able to pass the baton to the next sister. So you mm-hmm. got to be in close proximity and, and community so you can pass that baton when it's your turn to rest. Um, what are some of the other reasons you think it's so important for us as black women and women of color to have uh, community? Because it allows us to be savvy, strategic business women as well. Like, as someone as someone asked me the other day, well, how do you how do you get women to refer to? I don't. It, we literally just do it now. There is no task in helping having us come together and work together. There's no effort there, actually. Uh, and I think it's so important for us to rec- recognize that this also bleeds into the business world into like, you know, we're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about, you know, we've got all these things that we're talking about. we I think we were taught for a long time that we were supposed to do these things in spite of our culture or in spite of our upbringing or in spite of our background. But what I think is we can only do it powerfully and productively if we use our authentic voice, if we are authentic selves and the many forms of blackness that blackness comes in, whatever feels authentic is how we need to move forward or the power is lost. The power is lost. Yeah. 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 Very powerful. Well, thank you so much for spending this time and sharing all of your expertise and your insights has been great how can people follow what you're doing uh, support the third or maybe even connect with your consulting business sure yes so i will say quickly about the third because i don't think that i kind of you know gave you the quick overview so the way to support the third there are a couple ways you can contact me at info at the third. If you would like to donate, we are a nonprofit. You can contact us at info at the third. If you'd like to become a business partner, we have business partners in the community um, that we showcase because they've decided to contribute to the third. You can also just go to the third.org and donate. Um, that's helpful as well. And then once the space opens, we're hoping the space will open in late summer. The space is going to be a community co-working space. So it's open to everyone. It is run by, supplied by, and incubates women of color. So please, we will, um, as soon as we have news about the space, we'll be putting it out. So please sign up for our newsletter. 
follow us on social media at the third Inc um, on all social media platforms so that you can be ready to take advantage of this amazing revolutionary space that is going to be coming to Columbia. And as far as consulting services, you can contact me at info at the third as well, the third.org info at the third.org for any sort of consulting service uh, questions that you might have, or if you want to get in on this workforce development, because it's about to go gangbusters and why, because we're just thinking of how to best support people in the neighborhood. That's all it takes. Wonderful. All great things. So thank you so much, Laura. And I look forward to supporting the third and all of the great things that are coming down the pike. Thank you so much, Stephanie Brown. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for reaching out. And I love that you have this platform and are able to share all of this, this wonderful information. Thanks for conquering those limiting beliefs on another episode of the SOAR podcast. If you want to reach out to my guest, just check out the show notes and all of the contact information is there. If you want more information about Stephanie Brown coaching, go to www.stephaniebrowncoaching.com. And I'm sure you're already following the SOAR podcast Instagram page. But if not, just go to IG and type in Sisters Overcoming and Rising, all one word. Goodbye for now. Thank you.